listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. And welcome back to another episode of the Astros Future Podcast presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm your host, Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Future, and you can find my work at AstrosFuture.com and find me on Twitter at Astros Future. And I'm your co-host, Brian Hamilton, and you can find me on Twitter at BHAM1720. And be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account at Apollo HOU, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Today on the show, we're going to look around the Astro system and look at some of the top prospects and how they're performing, talk about some of the recent promotions, and then we'll go on and talk about the Astros' potent offense and discuss some of the elite starting pitching they have. We'll get started in the minors. We'll jump right down to AAA, the Skeeters, sitting at 29 and 22. The, they're the most successful team right now in the Astros minor league system, but I think the reason a lot of us have our eyes on them is we've seen so much turnover, it feels like, already. We've seen a lot of prospects coming up uh, in the field. I've seen a lot of pitchers coming up. And one guy that, that really has kind of struck my eye, and especially given what happened uh, just a couple of days ago, you know, Taylor Jones was playing out in left field, not a position he's, he's really comfortable with. And he, he took a kind of an odd route on a ball and ended up getting past him, not really ruled an error, but one that, you know, a normal left fielder would, would catch. Well, J.J. Matajevic, second-round pick uh, back in 2017, he's got a 905 OPS this year, 12 homers in 36 games. And I'm not saying that, you know, he's, he, he's a – maybe even a better defender, but he's a guy who's played outfield more and is having success with the bat 20, uh, 25, 26 years old. And, you know, kind of a, kind of a, a big hitter, a left-handed hitter. And it just kind of makes you wonder, you know, why is maybe Jones getting the opportunities and not Matajevic? And I understand at this point, if they end up trying to create a space for him, Jones is going to get cut. Someone else might pick him up. And I know they're trying to uh, get all the value out of a person they can, but when you see a guy like Jones make a mistake like that in left field, it just kind of makes you wonder, man, you know, the, the Skeeters are stacked with outfielders right now. It'd be nice to have one of them up there getting some reps. Yeah, man. I mean, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, if you look back at whenever uh, the Astros were terrible in Luno's first couple of years here, we had those prospects the Brian Bogusevics of the world, J.D. Martinez even, and they came up. We gave them a shot to play every day to see what they had. You know, it, that's really the only reason I can think of that, that we are still seeing mm -hmm. Taylor Jones and Robel Garcia over some of these guys at AAA. That's really – I don't know any other reason why they're not really providing much um, other than the occasional hit or walk every now and then. Um, but yeah, man, JJ Matajevic, that's a guy who like we've, we've talked about uh, corner outfielder, possible first and third base candidate as well. And like you said, Taylor Jones was playing left field, which isn't a position that he's normally playing, but you know, at this point, like you said, um, I, I guess they're just not wanting to DFA anybody, not get anything for him in return. Yeah, and it's just – it's tough when you see guys like Jones struggling. And like you mentioned, he may be better off in a team where he can get consistent at-bats because I know it probably is difficult to to try to find a rhythm when you're starting once every few games and uh, playing a little bit in left field, a little bit at first base, maybe third base. And uh, But, you know, it would be nice to, to, I guess, get some some better production from the bench potentially on those ends. And then you look at past Matajevic and another guy who's tearing the cover off the ball down in AAA, Jake Myers, who we've talked about a bunch of guys, yep. an elite defensive outfielder. He's got 14 home runs, and, you know, he looks like a guy who could help the Astros. And I know they're in a spot where, you know, Brantley had some side discomfort and he missed a couple games, and that's why Jones was out in left field. So you're not necessarily going to call up Myers for for that. And obviously that was a, 
like a, a scratch right before the game started. At the same time, you don't want to maybe stunt Myers' growth by bringing him up and having him play once a week or getting every, uh, in a bat every now and then, and they're getting it from McCormick right now. But it's just it, – it's tough when you see some of these guys in AAA really having a lot of success, and you, you want to see them get an opportunity. But, you know, Taylor Jones goes up, he gets his chance, and he's kind of struggling. But he, he's done well in AAA too, and hopefully it's just – it's a consistent at-bat thing for him. But, hey, you got Myers down there tearing it up. Another guy, another outfielder who's really hitting the ball right now, uh, Brian De La Cruz. Hitting 335, 12 doubles, nine homers. And, you know, that's a guy that when I had Jason Bell on a, a few weeks ago, he talked about Jake Myers and Brian De La Cruz as two guys that he's seen take tremendous steps forward from the moment they were brought into the system, you know, both offensively and defensively. So to see him mention them a few weeks ago, and then now both guys are hitting above 330 and they're hitting homers and, you know, they're good defenders, it just makes you appreciative of what the Astros have. And that feeling of, uh, you know, no matter what happens, if, if we do for some reason end up suffering an injury in the outfield, we do have guys who are ready to step in. Yeah, man. And the more we talk about Jake Myers, the more I'm starting to become convinced that he'll end up being the guy that's probably given the first shot. Um, and, it, you know, that may not even be this year, and it likely won't mm -hmm. be um, unless it's with another club because, you know, I know we're going to talk about this a little later on, but some possible trade candidates. But some of these guys that are having really good seasons down there could be intriguing to a club as like a lottery ticket type of player. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And But Jake Myers, like you said, man, elite defender. If you've got elite next to one of your tools, you're going to crack the majors at some point. And especially in his case with um, him being a good defender, has a good arm. Uh, that's a guy that can help a lot of clubs out, including ours. I don't know that it'll be ours this year because we're in the middle of a pennant race. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you never know, man. But that's if he stays in the system, I could see him on the major league roster next year. For sure. Yeah. No, he and he's he would be the guy that we had Jake Marisnik a while back, who really good defender, uh, had some pop in his bat. And Myers could be a guy like that. But Jose Siri still down there doing his thing. Like we mentioned, De La Cruz, a lot of good offensive performances down there. But there's been some solid pitching, too. We've seen Brett Canine has a 3.38 ERA. He looks like a guy who probably won't get an opportunity this year just because of the way the way everything has fallen, how many you know, guys are in front of him, but maybe next year is a guy who end up getting a chance, getting some spot stars. But we saw Ryan Hartman make his major league debut just a couple of days ago. And I think he struck out, was it two or three in like two innings and looked pretty solid. Lefty throwing, you know, 90, 92, good changeup. Um, he ended up getting put back down in AAA, but hopefully that's a guy we'll see up in the bullpen a little bit later. And then one other guy I just want to talk about, J.P. France. He's 26 years old, but, mm -hmm. man, the guy's got some nasty stuff. And he's got 72 strikeouts in 47 innings this year. And he's pitched just like the Astros typically do with their starters. He's pitched some where he started, some in relief. And you just think when a guy has a strikeout to inning ratio like that in AA and AAA, that he's, you know, his stuff is obviously good. And hopefully he'll have an opportunity to maybe come up and help the bullpen. Maybe not this year, but you know, we talked about it. If you have strikeout stuff like that, you know, you can make it a long way. Yeah, man, for sure. And the 72 strikeouts and only 47 innings, that's something that will definitely uh, be seen not only by our uh, front office, but others as well. Because like we talked about, a lot of these guys, man, we can't promote them all. They won't all make it to mm -hmm. the big leagues with the Astros. It could be with somebody else. But yeah, right. and it was good to see Hartman get his, um, his big league debut, you know, just for anyone for that to happen to anybody, man. I mean, it's always good to see. Yeah, and he's a guy who's posted – Posted good numbers. He had a really good season in double A a couple of years ago and then struggled a little bit in 19 in triple uh, in A, but had pretty solid numbers this year and uh, came up and, and looked pretty good. So I do think he'll be a guy who we'll probably see back in the bullpen at some point, maybe this year, maybe next year, depending on you know how injuries go. But we'll jump down to double A. The hooks are at 25 and 29. Uh, the record doesn't look great, but they, de they are definitely one of the most exciting teams to watch right now in the Astros Mining system, just based on the promotions that have happened over the last few weeks. So we know Corey Lee got promoted to double A and, and since he's, he's 
you know, gone there. He's basically set the world on fire. He's hitting 323, seven homers, 18 RBIs in 17 games. And even more impressive is he's got six walk to seven strikeouts. So, dude's got seven homers and seven strikeouts in 17 games. You know I mean? Hitting for power, not striking out, driving in runs. And then the, the athletic ability he has, you know, I didn't – down in Asheville, I don't think they have the – like a – MILB.TV uh, contract or however they work it, but you know, the hooks and double A, you can watch all their games, you know, good video quality, good announcing, all that stuff. Um, and man, I've, I've been watching his games and the guy is just a really good athlete. I've seen him beat out infield singles. He's played a little bit at third base just to kind of show off their versatility and made plays at third base. Just a really good athlete behind the plate. Talked about him a lot at the beginning of the season, you know, ready for him to kind of show what he can yep. do. And and I don't I think he's basically done exactly what we've expected him to do at this point, showing off some power, hitting 327 overall this year, um, and just a really good season from him. Yeah, man. Uh, Corey Lee's a guy that I, I don't know if, uh, if listeners will remember, but one of the first episodes we did, probably the first episode when we talked about the minors, mm-hmm. that was one guy that you and I were both very very excited to see. You know, I mean, we kind of got cheated out of that out of that uh, season last year because of COVID, so we didn't get to see anything right. from him. But man, if you if you go back and you look at some of the comments that you know, draft pundits made about him whenever we took him, like he's still a good player, but probably should have been taken in the second or maybe even the third round. We took him in the first round. My gosh, man, his overall game, he is playing like a, like a, not just a first rounder, but like a top 10 type of talent in the first round. So I'm, I'm very excited to see that mid season top 100 that baseball America and MLB network tend to do because I'd almost bet my next paycheck that he'll be on there somewhere, even if he's number 100. But that's a hell of a season so far from Corey Lee, dude. And one thing that we've talked about earlier was, you know, he started out at high A. So we remember, I remember us saying, well, we'd like to see him get to double A at some point. Well, my gosh, man, with this kind of, um, with this kind of production, he may end up in triple A before the year is done. I, you know, I mean, he's, he's mm-hmm. mashing everywhere he goes. And like you said, not only is he mashing, he's playing good defense. He's got good strike zone discipline. He's taking some walks. Everything is looking good from Corey Lee, man. Yeah, that's exactly what we talked about. We wanted to see him hopefully kind of force the Astros' hand for an opportunity. We talked about Maldonado and Castro being under contract next year. But if you have a, a catcher of the future who's ready to come up and and play, then you know they'll find a spot for him. But, yeah, you, you mentioned it. The, the 31 strikeouts in 46 games while also hitting for power, hitting for average, uh, just a phenomenal season for him. And – I know overall the top 100 list really don't mean a whole lot, but it would be nice to see him get some recognition yeah. and end up on a list. But another guy who we're, we are really excited about coming into the year, Pedro Leon, and and he started out the season, he, he was struggling, but he's, he's uh, done a lot better since the calendar turned to June. So he did well in June. So far, July has been solid, but he just had one game in July because he ended up maybe he had a – I forgot exactly, but minor injury, and he missed about a week and a half. Well, he comes back last night. It was his first game back. Goes two for four, has a grand slam to to right center field. So overall, he's got a 766 OPS, which is pretty solid. And, and given how he started that first, you know, two or three weeks of the season is actually pretty freaking good. So good to see that from him. He's played shortstop probably, it feels like 80, 90% of the time. And, and so far, it sounds like the reviews have been pretty good there for him. So uh, another guy down in double A who, who is having a pretty good season and I'll be interested to see where he comes out, especially when they not only the top hundred, but when they re-rank the Astros prospects, where they end up putting Lee and, and Pedro Leon. Pedro Leon is probably going to end up being your, your textbook example of somebody who not only immigrated over to America and wasn't playing organized baseball, but just mm-hmm. had that slow start and then just turned it on, man. His slow start is probably one of the worst types of slow starts you can see, but man, as he hit the gas pedal, everything has been great for him so far uh, well, since then. Um, you know, one thing that uh, just popped in my head here, 
do you remember uh, some years back? It was before we started making the playoffs every year. Whenever prospect, whenever uh, you know fans, we would we would clamor for these prospects to get promoted, not just to the big leagues, but to another level. Mm-hmm. And I remember Jeff Luno, he used to do those chats with Astroline and stuff, and he would say, "Well, we've got the playoffs to worry about down at the minors as well." Right. So that could actually be a situation where you know you see with AAA and and I don't know about AA, but definitely for AAA, where you may not see much traction with guys because they don't want to promote them too much and then screw them over in the playoffs down for AAA. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But man, Pedro Leon. How amazing has he looked so far, dude? I mean, like, and, and that's another thing. Jake Kaplan, a guy that we had on, covers the uh, Astros for the uh, Athletic. He had an article the other day where he mentioned that um, the Astros are playing him at shortstop because they already know he can play center field. And he mentioned that it was something similar that they did with uh, Miles Straw. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, we may not be looking at Pedro right. Leon's future shortstop. It's just that you're just wanting some sort of versatility for them. For sure. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. Hey, however you can find a, a way on the club is is nice, yep. and I think we've seen that more. I mean, the Astros have – the the versatility has been important, um, especially with the DH and the way they move things around. So you mentioned the slow start coming from Cuba. Another guy who the Astros signed uh, was kind of a – not a big signing, Norel Gonzalez. He's 27 years old. In April – or sorry, in May, the first month of the season, he hit 217, you know, kind of a slow start. But since then, he's turned it on. In June, he hit 359, four homers, 22 RBIs. In July, he's hitting 368. He's a big left-handed bat, probably a you know corner outfielder, first baseman type of guy, but a guy who had some really, really good numbers over in Cuba, started slow in May and has turned it on. And it's just – we talked about the system, and I think a lot of people had the Astro system ranked like 29th or 30th, really, really low. And we were excited to see a lot of these guys, and bam – out of nowhere, now you got a 27-year-old Cuban who's been on fire the last month and a half and is really making his name and someone that we didn't expect and just another good performance down in AA. Yeah, every time we talk about um, our system and how it wasn't really ranked too highly, I think back to what Call- what Jim Callis had said to us whenever he came on uh, a few months back, that just because our system isn't ranked high, it's mainly because we don't have a lot of those top-shelf type of names, those mm-hmm. two or three overall prospects in baseball that, that are, you know, consensus across the industry but man he talked about the depth in this system and, and it's the same thing i mean like we talked about last week or week before last when we had said you know you got fr- the frambers of the world up at the major league level who weren't really thought too highly of whenever they were prospects but look at him right now framber looks like he could be a potential ace for us down the road oh, yeah. i mean not just with with you know pitching but like norel gonzalez i mean not a lot of people know about him man but he's doing what he's supposed to do he's mashing the ball he's a left-handed power hitter those lefties become very, very valuable the, the higher they get up in, in systems and the closer they get to the show, dude. So these are it's just good to have all of these players that are contributing uh, to their teams down on the farm. Yeah, definitely. And another guy who I, I don't think coming into the season you're expecting much out of him, but Scott Manea was a, a guy they trade or they got from the Mets when they traded uh, J.D. Davis. But he's a 25-year-old catcher in double-A, and he's sitting 284 uh, with seven homers, 24 RBIs in 36 games, good walk and strikeout rates. And, uh, just another guy that solid behind the plate, and now he's showing something with the bat. So just that that depth is very important, and we're seeing that right now. The double-A lineup is stacked from a, a prospect standpoint, and two guys that are in the lineup now that weren't the last time we talked, Alex McKenna, who was an early-round pick a couple years ago, struggled and had a breakout season. Then Joe Perez, second-round pick a few years ago, and we've talked about him a bunch about the injuries that he had and the struggles he had coming back, and now he's made it to double-A at 21, which is – and that's got to be awesome for him, for him, a guy that probably at some point was thinking, man, it's just going to keep coming. The bad luck's going to keep coming. You know, he had the Tommy John after the draft, tore his labrum, and next thing you know, he finally is healthy playing this year and just starts tearing the cover off the ball. And within 
two and a half months, he's already made it up to double A at 21, which if someone would have told you sometime last year, Joe Perez was going to be in double A this year and hitting the way he is, you, you probably wouldn't have believed it. But that's another guy who wasn't even on a lot of people's top 30s coming into the season. And now you have a former second round pick, 21 year old in double A having a great offensive season. So just another guy who's came out of nowhere and had a, a, a really good season, a guy that a lot of us knew about but maybe you just weren't expecting it because you didn't know how healthy he was. And he's finally showing, you know, what he's capable of doing. Man, that's the, that's one guy along with Corey Lee that has not stopped hitting since the season began. It's almost like these guys were starved for baseball because they didn't Mm -hmm. get a chance to play last year. And they are just taking it out on the baseball, man. It's amazing to see, especially with him, man, because like you said, he had some bad luck early on in his career, the torn labrum, all of the other injuries that he had. And now this season, like you said, two months in, and he's already been promoted twice. That's amazing. Yeah. And I, you know, pretty sure he's just going to end the season at double A, but man, that is yeah. just one testament to how uh, his work ethic and everything that he has done to make sure that he gets himself back on that straight and narrow and staying healthy, man, because he is a future big leaguer for sure. One other guy I'll give a shout out to in double A, Nick Hernandez. He's relief pitcher. He's got a 2.19 ERA, 36 strikeouts in 24 innings, and just a good season from a guy who struggled a little bit too. He came out of the University of Houston in 2016, eighth round pick, and had some good numbers following the draft. And I don't, he might have had Tommy John surgery. I'm not 100% sure, but he's back pitching now. He's 26 in double A, um, and he's been successful for them as, a, as a, a high leverage reliever down in double A. So good to see that. We'll jump down to high A, the Taurus, 24 and 29 couple interesting prospects there. Nova, a guy who they drafted or sorry, signed uh, for 1.2 million a while back and started out the season really hot. First couple games was really, you know, hit, hit was tearing the cover off the ball. Then he got hurt, was out for a couple weeks, came back and has struggled ever since, but he's had a couple of good games recently, finally got that second home run too. So he's a guy who's got really good tools, you know, and has just is kind of slowly progressed and I was a little bit concerned, but it looked like now if he's getting back healthy, maybe he's going to start hitting the ball again. So good to see that. Another guy we talked about, Matthew Barefoot, hitting yep. 328 all, overall, 12 homers, 15 stolen bases. It's showing exactly what you want to see from, you know, an outfielder who can play all three outfield spots, hit for average, show some power, some uh, some speeds, the 15 stolen bases. And, yeah, just each level you go down, you're finding another good performance. And there's a, Barefoot's just a, a perfect example of that. Yeah, for sure, man. Another guy that may not, everyone may not know, recognize his name or anything like that whenever the season began, but the more mm-hmm. we've talked about him, the more you've highlighted him. I mean, man, his performances have just been great. That's another guy that I think could end up being promoted pretty soon. I mean, we've already seen it a couple of times with other players. Um, he, he's doing it all. 12 bombs, 15 stolen bases. He's hitting really well. Um, you know, we could see him being uh, moved to the system a little bit as well. Yeah, and another guy that we'll talk about, Emmanuel Valdez, he's – Kind of a short, stocky guy. He's five, he's, they got him listed at 5'9", 190, but he's got 14 homers this year. He's only hitting 222, has an insanely low batting average on balls and plays. Not striking out a ton or anything. He just It seems like he's had some bad luck, but he's got 14 homers, 52 RBIs down in, in Asheville, and that's a good hitter's, hitter's park to play in, but you know, still you, you got to hit the ball well enough to get it out. I mean, right. it's not like it's you know 250 feet. So nice to, to see that from him, another, another strong performance down there. Uh, and then one other guy we'll talk about, Shea Whitcomb, we've talked about a few times, fifth-round pick back, uh, last year. Obviously didn't get to see him because of COVID, and he's recently been promoted to high A, so – just another another promotion, and we talked about it. We weren't sure how James Click was going to be with the promotions, but it looks like the Astros have been pretty aggressive, and that's something that I think you know both of us wanted to see coming into the year. Oh, for sure, man. I mean, th- those types of things are things that you absolutely want to see whenever you uh, whenever you begin the season and as you progress throughout the system and throughout the season because mm-hmm. th- these are things that, like we were saying earlier, 
the system wasn't very highly thought of, but when it, the more you see all of these guys playing really well, the more it makes you think that our system is actually a lot deeper and a lot better than it actually oh, yeah. was rated to begin with. Um, always one of those things to see that we, we just love because, you know, the Astros right now, you know, with the whole sign stealing thing and all that, it's good to see some good news coming out of all of this too. Definitely. We'll jump down to the, the last level, low A woodpeckers. There's 22 and 31, but once again, there's another good performance. J.C. Correa, Carlos Correa's younger brother, signed as an undrafted free agent last year following the draft. Probably would have been a draft pick if, if there was a full 40-round draft. Uh, you know, there's only there's only the the 20 rounds – or five rounds, sorry. But, man, he's been on fire. So, he's up to 296 now. He's got 15 doubles, drawn 24 – or 20 walks. But over his last 18 games, he's hitting 375, and he's only struck out five times, which – so he, he's shown a really good discipline of the strike zone, shown the ability to, to hit for some doubles. I think he's only got like three homers so far this season. But once again, a guy, undrafted free agent, hitting 296. And, uh, I mean, he's showing that, that he does belong. It wasn't, it wasn't just a courtesy sign by when the Astros right. signed him. He's showing that he's a, a legitimate prospect right now, putting up good numbers in, in Fayetteville and probably won't be long before he gets an opportunity to play in Asheville and gets another or gets a promotion. But just, just good to see that. And I know people talk about if we can sign Carlos, then maybe there's a chance that those two will get to play together. And actually, it would be kind of cool to see them even have a full spring training together. But yeah. just good to see him having success on his own and, you know, showing that, oh, yeah, it wasn't it just a courtesy signing just because Carlos is with us. That's why we signed him. No, he's actually a legitimate prospect. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you added that because a lot of people will think that, and, you know, you can't really blame them. You figure, okay, well, you know, your brothers are all-star shortstop, face of the franchise at one point, mm -hmm. uh, thought to be the face of the franchise with the number one overall pick. So, yeah, we'll just go ahead and do you a solid and draft your little brother or sign your little brother. But, right. man, like you said, he's only gotten um, – he's only struck out five times so far, man. This is really, really good numbers for him, dude. This is the thing, like like you said, with our trickle-down effect and, and as um, – the, the season progresses and the more promotions that we see, that could be a guy that we see bumped up to high A at some point, man. Yep. So another another pick from last year, Alex Santos. He's played in uh, three games so far. He's got a 4.50. I think he's only pitched about six innings. So not a lot from him right now, but just nice to see him getting some reps. And then another guy from 2020, Zach Daniels, fourth-round pick. Uh, he struggled a little bit early, but he's up to five homers, eight stolen bases, and he's got – He's got loud tools. I saw a home run he hit uh, a couple of days ago where, I mean, he literally hit it over the batter's eye in center field. And just another oh, speedy, wow. toolsy outfielder, got a lot of power, and he's just kind of trying to put it all together. It's just so nice to have Marley baseball back and, and to be able to watch these right. guys, you know, see these guys get drafted and watch these guys progress and then see those tools play on the field. And I'll try to find that clip and send it to you. But, yeah, he's he's got some impressive tools, and he's starting to show a little bit of that. Well, I like how you just said, some, like, you know, he's just trying to put it all together. Not everybody hits the ground running immediately, like yeah. like Corey Lee did this year, like Joe Perez. Mm -hmm. A lot of these guys, man, they're just trying to find their niche. They're finding their spot uh, as they go through the minors. And, right. You know, not everybody is going to get promoted two, two to three times in, a, in one season, let alone, um, you know, two or, or I'm sorry, over the course of two seasons, let alone right. one. But it's just good to see these guys, like you said, getting getting their swing back, being able to pitch well. Because we lost the season last year, everything's looking good this year, man. And and our system is not as bare bones as it was originally thought to be. That's one thing that I hope all of our fans know is that we've got a lot of players down the farm that we're going to see in a couple of years. Yep, and and I, I I'll admit it, I am biased, but I 100% agree. I definitely think the system is a lot deeper and a lot more talented than people are giving it credit for. So that's going to do it for segment one. In the next segment, Brian and I are going to look at the Astros and discuss just how potent this Astros offense is. We'll get to that in just a moment. And continuing on here at the Astros Future Podcast, presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop us a review or leave us some stars. 
So we talked that we're going to get into the offense, start talking about how elite this offense is, but we brought in one of our buddies from Twitter at Bill Astros to join us to kind of discuss the Astros recent uh, wins, discuss the elite offense and all that stuff. So Bill, how you doing? Pretty good. How about yourself? Doing good, man. I think the last time Brian and I had talked, the Astros were, were in the middle of like a, a big win streak and then things kind of fell off. It seems like they, they go face a, a, a bad team and things don't go so well. We saw what happened with Detroit, <laughs> get, sweep, uh, get swept by the Orioles. And it's just crazy. You know, they're, they're sitting at 52 and 33 overall, but they, they get swept by the Orioles and then they go to Cleveland and they sweep them in a four-game series with what is basically a skeleton crew offense over the last two games. Yep. And it's just kind of been the way the Astros season is. We've kind of almost played down to opponents, but any team that is above 500, the Astros have just taken care of business. Yeah, it's just it's just the way baseball is, man. Like, the ebbs and flows are so nuts. Like, you'd think, okay, we're playing Detroit and the Orioles. No problem. We'll have 20-game win streak by the end of it. But then, yeah, you know, random things happen. But like you said, everybody's starting to hit. Like, Straw has been awesome. Toro's given us stuff we didn't even know was – there you know like last time we saw him he was a Mendoza line hitter mm -hmm. but yeah for that, sure like, and then or go ahead I'm sorry man no I'm good yeah and I mean like like you said whenever we went through that stretch where we were going to have Baltimore up on the uh, on the agenda with what seven games in the next 14 days or something like that I think everybody just kind of assumed okay we may lose one of those games but my gosh whenever we got started like Jesus but then we turn around and go into Cleveland and sweep them What's the, the interesting thing about Cleveland is that's a team that's been making the playoffs pretty much every year. I couldn't even recognize most of those guys anymore. Now, I know that they're one of those small market teams that have to trade off a lot of guys every so often, but, God, I didn't know who any of those players were almost. And I, I feel like I, I follow the sport well enough to, right. to kind of, like, recognize a couple of them. But, God, man, it's like a skeleton crew out there. But, but yeah, hey, man, I mean, yeah. you got to play the schedule in front of you. We swept them. That works for me. Yeah, you're right. Like the, the the starting pitchers, the the uh, the lineup. You're right. There's a lot of guys that like I, I felt like you mentioned as a pretty big baseball fan. I felt weird not knowing who those guys were. But hell, they're over 500 right. and they're playing okay. But you know, the Astros went in there and took care of business. We saw Jose Altuve had the big grand slam. I think it was on Thursday or Friday. And man, he's had a phenomenal season. He's up, he's up to 3.1 wins above replacement, 18 home runs. I mean, the guy's on pace for almost 40 home runs. And, yeah. you know, it, it, he's putting up an MVP type season and he's not even the best currently the best player on the Astros. You know, Carlos Correa is having a better season than him. But so awesome to see him really just kind of shove it to the haters after what happened in 2020 in the shortened season, and everything. And just to see him come out here balling and, and hitting home runs like that. And he's been very good defensively at second base, too. So great to see that kind of performance from Jose. I know, like, I think you you put out the poll, like who was the midseason MVP and I, mm -hmm. I voted. Yuli, I'm like, because all the two strike hits, runners in scoring position, you know, like that dude's just delivering every time he goes to the plate. He doesn't even make the all star team, which is yep. insane. But I don't know. But going back to your Cleveland point, that team is so good at player development. Like they just pump out pitching. And I, like, I don't understand how they do it every year, year in, year out right. with their payroll. Yeah, they got that picture that uh, they were – the guy that was – he ended up taking the loss yesterday, but the, he's the – I can't even think of his name. It's like Tyler Close. Yeah, him. Classic. He, yeah. He's the one that they got from uh, from Texas yep. for – for uh, what's his name? I can't even think of his name now. But One uh, inning of Corey Kluber. 
Yeah, <laughs> my gosh. That was a one heck of a steal for them. But yeah, I, I just didn't recognize him at all. But but yeah, man, Altuve's been playing so good. All of these guys that are on our offense that have just been hammering the ball. Um, like you just mentioned, Bill, Yuli's been amazing. All the clutch hits. And like, I, I don't know if anybody else has done this, but at some point, uh, about a month ago, I was like, okay, you know, Yuli's coming up. We got the bases loaded or men on base. I was like, I mean, he's not going to continue to deliver the, the entire season, but he keeps delivering the entire season mm-hmm. so far. So that's definitely a welcome sight because – you can't really pitch around anyone in this lineup whenever we're exactly. all healthy. Yeah, and, and I so I, I put an article out that I've been working on for a couple of days, but put it out this morning. And the Astros, as a team, have a 122-weighted uh, runs creative plus, which uh, is really good. 100 is league average, so you know they're yeah. 22% above league average. The next closest is Toronto with a 111. So they're obviously way above that. But even for people that don't really understand what that is, you know, Manny Machado has a career 120 weighted runs created plus the Astros are at 122 Derek Jeter career 119 the Astros 2021 offense is better than Derek Jeter's career or better than Manny Machado's career offensively so it's just insane, insane. And, yeah, and then there I, I looked it up too there's the, the last time that there was a uh, this big of a gap at least a 10 you know 10 uh weighted runs created plus between the first and second was 2019 when the Astros had a 126 and the Yankees were at uh 116 the time before that, 2017, when the Astros are at 122 and the Yankees were at 109. And then the time before that was the 2009 Yankees. So the Astros this season, they're, they're putting up another historic offensive season. And it it's crazy to see it unfold. It's crazy to see just how how good they are. And you just think, like, we're, we're in such an awesome time for Astros baseball that they're putting up this historic season. And we just saw a historic season in 2019 and 2017. And then what also happened in 2018. And, man, it's just – it's it's so nice to have an elite offense like that, and like you mentioned, we're seeing it day in and day out. We're seeing the contributions from the Chaz McCormick, the the Toro, Garcia seems like he'll have a hit every now and then. For the most part, he's struggling, but yeah. And then Miles yeah. Straw is, is tearing it up too. And yeah, I know me and Brian talked about. I, I don't really know why Garcia is. I don't want to say why is he still on the roster, but you know, I feel like there's other guys who could probably come in and take that utility role. Uh, and maybe do a better job of it, maybe like an Alex Degoti or something. But yeah, just a phenomenal offense, offensive performance so far this year. And uh, man, they just—they've been a blast to watch. I just yeah, man, think Miles they. Straw, y'all, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Bill. I just think they keep Robel around just because he has more power potential than Degoti or mm-hmm. somebody like that. But I, I think he's kind of redundant with Toro. They both yeah. do the same things, you know. Right. Yep. Well, like, like y'all were talking about earlier with Miles Straw, even him, man. I mean, whenever Jimmy and I started doing this in the, the podcast at the beginning of the season, we talked about how people are going to look at Straw and they're going to compare him immediately to whatever Springer is doing up in Toronto, which isn't fair. This is pre-injury and everything like that. Yeah. But, man, Straw, man, for, for his production, for everything that he's been doing so far, since May, he's just been amazing. I mean, like, is he going to be an all-star like this? Well, no, but he's got like eight other all-stars on his team right now. He doesn't need to be an all-star. He's just – he's playing so good so right now. His defense has gotten a little bit better in the outfield. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if that continues, you've got a, a center fielder making a league minimum for the next couple of years. He, yeah. he just gets on base. Like, yep. Simple as that. Yeah, I, I pulled yep. the numbers. His last 26 games, he's hitting 344 with a 442 on base percentage. Like That means getting on base 44% of the time. He's got five doubles, two homers, seven stolen bases. And I texted this to Brian a couple of days ago. But those numbers would put him on pace for a full season. And obviously, that's a hot stretch over a full season. But would put him on pace for like 30 doubles, 10 homers, and over 100 walks and 40 stolen bases. I mean, the guy is, like you mentioned, he's getting on base. He's drawing walks. We saw him yesterday. He had some really good at-bats. 
um, yeah. where he, he falls down 0-2, and, and the next thing you know, he's fouling pitches off. He's taking tough pitches, uh, drawing the walks. It seems like he's been more successful stealing stealing you know stealing bases yeah. recently. He's got seven over the last month and a half. And, yeah, just the, the progression that he's made from where he started the season to now has been phenomenal. And like you mentioned, he's been a lot better defensively as well. Uh, just and we talk about how deep the team is and we always looked at man the top seven is is elite you know and then you got Maldonado mm-hmm. and Straw what are you going to get out of them and they've been getting elite production out of Miles Straw over the last uh, month and a half and even when Castro plays like Castro's been getting on base like yep. crazy too like mm-hmm. it's just they're so so good well, yeah, with I mean, Straw, I think one thing to think of with Straw is this is his first year as an actual starter playing most of the time every day. For sure. I don't want to say like he had the yips or anything like that because that's like, you know, building grounders and whatnot. But, man, he seems to have really, like, settled in. So it's like a version of that. Like maybe he was, you know, like he had the butterflies or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it for being a major league outfielder. But, man, he's looking good now. Like yesterday, like I, we, I watched the entire game yesterday with my dad uh, on the 4th of July and everything. And like, just the look on Miles Straw's face, it was almost like every at bat, he's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm, I'm going to take care yeah. of this. You know, it's just completely different. He like, looks, yeah, looks he looks comfortable. He looks confident, you know, like he's up there in a, in a tough situation down O2 to a tough pitcher. And the guy's just, he's just fouling pitches off, taking close pitches for, for, you know, taking balls. And um, yeah, just, yep. he looks like a complete different player compared to where he was last year. And he had, I think his first year in the league, maybe in, in 19, was okay, and then last year he struggled a little bit, but we saw a lot of guys struggle, and I think a lot of people formed opinions based on his little bit of struggle right. last year, which like 70 at-bats, not even a month worth of at-bats, and now yeah. we're seeing why it, sometimes you always want to have that prospect like Correa that comes up and immediately starts crushing, you know, but sometimes you got to be patient and got to let guys get opportunities and, and get into a rhythm and and find their hot streak because we just like you talked about how baseball has its ebbs and flows there's going to be times where guys are going to crush the ball there's going to be times where they struggle a little bit unfortunately those struggles for straw came right at the beginning of the season where they're magnified yeah. but now you look at his overall numbers and if someone would have told you that miles straw was going to you know hit 270 and have a 350 on base per, or percentage in the nine hole coming into the season you, you probably would have taken that 10 out of 10 times oh absolutely just- and it, it's just one of those things where, like, he can be as confident as he wants, you know, like like there was that one thing where he said he was better than – or he thought he was better than Jake Marisnik, you know. Mm-hmm. And then – but once you get to the big leagues, you still have to do it. Like, no, right. it doesn't matter how much confidence you have. Like, you still have to go out and prove it. And I, anybody would be nervous. Like, but once you, like, realize you can do it mm-hmm. – then it's just everyday thing, you know? Yep. I think one good thing about Straw is he, uh, no matter where we hit him in the lineup, I like where he's at in the lineup. Yesterday he was at, he was near the top of the lineup. What was he in the two-hole? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah, I But I so. really like him. I like him in that eight-nine hole because, like, even if you start a, a, an inning off with him, it's almost like you're getting another leadoff hitter, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like it's an automatic out. I, I'm not trying to be, like, rude to the guy or anything like that, but anytime I see Martin Maldonado leading off an inning, I'm like, okay, most likely we're, we're, we're leading off one out right now. You know what I mean? Or, or same thing with Rebel Garcia or Taylor Jones. Well, but and, and Straw, yeah, it's completely different. And with that, with Maldonado, like, even if he gets on base, you got Altuve next. So if he hits a ball in the gap, you got a guy clogging the bases, you know? Like, if Straw's on, he's scoring from first. Yeah. So, real quick, we'll, we'll talking about Altuve and some of the other guys, we'll, we'll hit on the All Star. So, they, uh, they released – obviously, the Astros didn't have any all-star starters, whatever. It's all the same. But they released the all-star uh, reserves. The Astros have four players there, Brantley, Correa, Altuve, and, and Ryan Presley. So, 
I think we all agree all four of those were were definitely warranted, and uh, those have been some of the best players of the, the season for us. But you talked about, you know, Yuli being one of the best players and in, in, in the, the production with two strikes, the production with running and scoring position. And then you got guys like Jordan Alvarez, who's got like a 140 OPS plus or something like that, and, you know, 12, 13 home runs and dro- drove in for it. Just another really good season. The Astros, were, were, you know, he was left off the rotation. I think me and Brian talked about a few weeks ago, Luis Garcia probably deserves to be an all-star based on the way he's pitched the season as a starter. And he's also in running for probably the rookie of the year if he keeps this up. But I'm not one of those guys that gets like really mad over the all-star thing. Ultimately, I just want it for like the player so they can kind of like pad their resume that they were an eight-time all-star, yep. 10-time all-star, whatever. Yeah. You know, because like yeah. you go back and you look at Bagwell or like I think I don't I don't remember how many all-star teams he made, but it wasn't a it wasn't a ton There's for five. the five, right? Berkman, yeah. I think, was maybe five. And then I think B Joe and Altuve now have seven. You know, like, man, Bagel's in the Hall of Fame and he played so many years and he only made five All-Star teams. Seems crazy. I I just like the the, the, the padding the resume thing. And uh, yes. But nice to see our guys get get those uh, those accolades, the four that made it. But it feels like there definitely were some snubs for the Astros. Go, going to your point about, like, that padding your resume, that that's the biggest pet peeve of mine, too, is because when they announce the All-Stars, they're like, oh, you know, it's for the fans, it's for the fans. But then when you get to their Hall of Fame voting, they bring up the all-star selections. I'm like, okay, if somebody's just a fan favorite that gets voted in every year, it still counts against this guy that should be going to the Hall of Fame. That dri- right. That's always dr- driven me crazy. Well, one good thing about uh, – well, first of all, I agree with that. Like, I, I'm completely with you on that, Jimmy. Like, I don't really I, – I, I would rather all of them just right now say they don't want to go to the all-star game just so that we can preserve their, their game for, like, later on in the year, you know, especially Ryan Presley. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, Jordan Alvarez is the one guy that I was kind of surprised by. I know every team has some player that they just feel like they're completely disrespected by not going to the all-star game. I won't go that far, but I was really surprised that Jordan didn't go. But then whenever you look at the DHs, they almost mm-hmm. had to take those guys ahead of them. Yeah. So, uh, you know. Yep. So don't go anywhere. In our next segment, we're going to look at the Astros pitching and talk some potential trade possibilities. And we'll get to that in just a little bit. And welcome back in here at the Astros Future Podcast presented by Apollo Media. This segment, we're going to take a look at the Astros pitching staff and talk about some maybe some trade possibilities later on if they decide to add to the bullpen. But we'll talk first about the starters. The the rotation has been phenomenal. Uh, Despite the injuries that we've seen to some of the guys, the the rotation, they have the uh, 3.23 ERA, the starters do, which leads the AL right now. I think the White Sox are second. Just a phenomenal performance by guys that maybe coming into the season you weren't expecting it. You know, you got Luis Garcia, who, like we just mentioned, is probably one of the top three rookie of the year candidates right now. And he's got a 3.14 ERA, 90 strikeouts and 80 innings. And you know, the guy didn't pitch above A ball until last year when the Astros decided to call him up. And that's it. He was in he was in high A in 2019 and he makes his debut last year. And next thing you know, now he's pushing for rookie of the year. So the, the rotation overall is just it's just been really good. And it's been something that we got an elite offense, but we can look at the Astros and say, like every day when when we got a starter going on there, I feel comfortable with that starter. You know, uh, we've seen yep, what yep. Rizzi has done recently too, and man, it's just it's just been really nice to see. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. It, what's funny though is like you follow prospects more closely than I had I do, but like all those guys that just come out and throw six, seven innings, one, two runs, you know, like none of those guys were on top 100 prospect list Mm -hmm. we created a rotation out of thin air with framber garcia arkady and all these guys like 
it's just impressive the player development they have. Well, back in what was it, 2019, whenever we first started seeing our kitty, I remember texting Jimmy. I was like, "Who the hell is this guy?" And then Jimmy had to tell me, "He's like, yeah, you know, he's not." He's on any of these top prospect lists, but that goes back to what Jim Callis had told us uh, a, a month or two ago, Jimmy, like where, you know, we may not have all of those Justin Berlander, that Grinky types in the minors right now, but mm-hmm. we have solid players that are going to do the job at the next level, you know, and, yep. and gosh, yep. man, are they ever, because like you said, you know, Lance McCullers, yeah, everyone in baseball knows who Lance McCullers are, is. Mm-hmm. Framber Valdez, Jose Arquiti, um, Garcia, all these guys, man, Christian Javier, no one knows who these guys are. Now, once we get on the national stage in October, they're going to start knowing who they are. Right. But it, it's just amazing. It's like you said, Bill, we've created a, a stacked rotation out of thin air from prospects that were completely undervalued. And there's yeah. more coming. Yep. yep. And, yeah, the Astros just do a, a really good job of finding value in pitchers that maybe other people don't value. And they've, they've shown that time and time again. And you know, some of these guys, like Christian Javier, had. if you go back and look at his minor league numbers, they were insane. And as we're talking about, I'm going to pull them up, but – Jose Urquidy had like a really good season back when he was Jose Hernandez before he he changed his last name. Uh, Luis Garcia had some insane numbers, but they were doing it without getting that recognition that maybe a lot of a lot of the other top prospects were. But like Christian Javier in his minor league career, so he played in the minors for five seasons. He had a 2.22 ERA, struck out 512 and 377 innings. So like always had really good minor league performances, really high strikeouts, but just never got the notoriety that you see. I mean, other teams get, and I'm going to say this, and you all might agree with me, but if Christian Javier put up those numbers in like the Yankee system, the guy probably would have been like a top 50 prospect. And that's the Yankees prospects are always overrated. And I feel like we see it over and over again. All Uh, the time. Chamberlain, (laughs) Gary Sanchez, a bunch of these guys, man. It just, it, it seems like a lot of the Astros had, you know, they had these guys flying under the radar. And heck, Javier, we're talking about him as a starter. He's been even better in the bullpen. He's got a 2.33 ERA in the pen. And just yesterday, the guy's hitting 97, or was the day before, but one of those, he was hitting 97 in relief. And we're talking about the depth of the rotation, but putting a guy like Javier in the bullpen, and now he's out there dominating to a point of freaking like Ryan Presley is. And yeah, it's just, it's just crazy the way the, the Astros have developed pitching. I absolutely love Javier. Like he's just, filthy but to your Yankees point it is funny like Esteban Florial was supposed to be the next Joe DiMaggio and Michael King could be Kurt Schilling you know like that's just mm-hmm. how they yep. judge those prospects it's insane to me I still remember being in college and them t- and I seen I was seeing Buster only on ESPN talking about Joe Chamberlain and like if I hadn't known any better I thought he was talking about Roger Clemens or something <laughs> like that but yep. you know because it's Joe Chamberlain but you know Bill and I were actually talking about this through text messages the other day about how, like, if Aaron Judge played like the Arizona Diamondbacks, he would be nothing more than just your your average run-of-the-mill outfielder who hits an occasional bomb every now and then. But, I mean, he plays for, Yan- for the Yankees. So, because he plays for the Yankees, they have that Judge thing going on where they, they do the whole, what is it, like, all-rise and all that other crap. Yeah, out yeah. There. Judges Chambers. Yeah, I mean, like, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Yankees actually get smart about this like they did four years ago and they start trading off players for prospects if Aaron Judge gets dealt in the offseason. Yeah, and, and I, I, will they decide to, to do a rebuild like that? I mean, it's the Yankees, it seems like they're pretty pretty poorly ran, so I don't know. But, I mean, you're right. That wouldn't be a bad option for them. Well, that that's funny, though. Like, you know, like Brian Cashman's been there since 98, I think. He has wow. one title, one title of a team that he built. It, and they just like, really? think he's a god. Yeah, like, well, because that whole 98 through 2000s team, was built by somebody else, you know. 
No, so, I, just well, real yeah. quick, I'll, I'll, I just want to mention we're talking about prospects because I thought this one blew my mind. But back in in uh, 2016, the, the the Yankees drafted a guy named Blake Rutherford out of high school. He was 19 yeah, yeah. years old at the time, a little bit older, right? He goes into to rookie ball and he hits like 350. He ends up getting ranked by MLB the number 37 prospect in baseball, right? He failed. He he was drafted in the first round, which I get. The dude has done nothing since, and he's been traded to the White Sox. Yeah, he's twenty four in Triple A this year. He's hitting two twenty five, and like he had one like uh, like thirty decent games or thirty good games in rookie level ball. And next thing you know, he's a top thirty seven pro. It's insane. It, it, but right when I saw him, like that's that's the Yankees love, you know that that we just don't see. And it's whatever. At the end of the day, these rankings mean nothing to the organization. They're just fun for fans to look at. Well, but. it's like that Jason Dominguez guy. You know, like he's what seventeen. And they're they're acting like this guy's already Shohei Otani, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Just let it breathe for a little while. Yep. So, anyways, back on, we'll, we'll get off the Yankees. <laughs> but uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Jake Odorizzi, a guy who me and Brian were really excited about the, the signing. You know, felt like that's a perfect guy to get in Brent Strom's hands that he can get it. You know, he can he can turn into another good starter. And man, first couple outings were terrible. He goes on the IL. Well, since he came back from the IL, he's got a two point one six ERA. Struck out twenty nine in thirty three innings. Had a, a really good start. Uh, was it yesterday? I think he started. That's just talking about the depth of the, the rotation. That's another guy. You know. When he was out, we found – we didn't find, but we had Garcia and Javier pitching well, and, and you didn't have the need for, for Odorizzi to come back. Now he's came back, and he's pitching phenomenal, and Javier's in the bullpen. And, man, it's just – it's crazy. Right? It, it feels like you look at the Astros' rotation, and you look at their offense, and you wonder why they were only 52-33, and 33, which is really good. But we, yeah. we know parts of the reason. Part of that is the bullpen. But overall, man, the rotation is phenomenal, and it seems like no matter who they run out there, the guy's giving you six innings, one run, and – Man, it's just been a been a fun stretch to watch. Well, the only thing like- I've noticed with him is like when he first came up that first time, he was sitting at like 90, 91. Mm-hmm. Lately, he's been 94, 95 up right. in the zone. Well, I like how you put it earlier, Jimmy, where you're like, you know, you said something uh, along the lines of no matter who we throw out there as a starter, you always feel like they're, you know, we're in good hands. It's not yeah. like we have some mm-hmm. weak link in the rotation who's going to throw up who's going to give up six or seven runs. And we know that the offense has to throw up 10 runs just to be in the game. You know I mean? Like that, that's just how, how stacked we are. That's including Granky who uh, is in the last year of his deal. Him and Berlander are both in the last mm-hmm. year of their deal. But man, I mean, like, I don't even know if we're going to bring back either guy. I'd love this. I know we've talked about this off the air a lot, Jimmy. We both want to see Verlander finish his career here, but right. with as much pitching as we have right now, I mean, you know, you, you got to wonder about that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah is it, is it worth is it worth putting the money to Verlander when maybe you can use that money to maybe re-sign Correa or potentially sign some other free agent or some other younger starter or something like that? But we talked, we just mentioned the bullpen, and that yeah. has been one of the weaklings. But man, Ryan Presley, how freaking good is it? that dude? Has he's been phenomenal this year? He's been phenomenal since he put on an Astros uniform. That trade back in 2018 to get him from the Twins is is really a freaking steal, you know. And this year he's got a 1.54 ERA, like. I feel like he comes in, and it's not even like, – the dude just has perfect innings when he comes in, right? Like he's not walking anyway. He's yeah. not giving up hits. And he comes in, doesn't matter if it's the middle of the lineup and you're up one. Like, you, you're just confident when he comes in. And if we didn't have Presley in the bullpen, I, I'm, I would be really afraid to know how this season has gone so far because he's been the one dominant, consistent piece in the pin. But outside of that, it's been a little tough, man. And I know we, we talked about it. I know we, we have some ideas on maybe ways to improve it. But we got Presley and then the other guys. Yeah, I know. I I thought we would get a really good season out of Noli. Like what mm-hmm. he showed last year, he was 
amazing. And I, I went into the season thinking that's a guy we can count on. You know, he'll be a seventh, eighth inning guy, bridge to right. Presley. And then Baez not showing up at all kind of sucks. It's a whole Jesse Crane situation. Mm-hmm. But uh, oh, yeah. that, like, my, my biggest problem with it is we have so many guys coming back right now. Like, so if we trade for guys, yeah. we're going to have DF, DFA – certain guys but like josh right. james and pruitt and bias hopefully hopefully we can solve some of these problems internally yeah and i know uh, i know y'all saw that i think one of them y'all sent in the text group but uh you know ben on on twitter that shared that uh that video clip side by side that showed josh james's delivery has been completely different where he's holding the ball at and we've seen him be dominant and if he can if, if that's working for him and that's helping him throw strikes and and not be injured then yeah you could be getting a guy that you really weren't counting on. And, and now the next – it's like a trade deadline acquisition because you're getting a, a guy with Josh James' stuff back in the bullpen. Yeah. Yeah, that, it, that it'll be what we end up doing with that because not only that, but Christian – once the once the uh, playoffs start, you're going to have – we're going to have Christian Javier, Jake Odorizzi, Luis Garcia. They're all going to be in the bullpen at this yep. point. So, yeah, that's it'll be cur- – you know, like I'll be curious just how much James Click is willing to give up in a trade for a bullpen arm considering that we really would only need it to get through the regular season. I mean, it's just as, as weird as that sounds right. I mean, and as annoying as it has been. And I agree with Bill. I really thought Anoli Paredes was going to be like one of those guys that, okay, he's going to have his occasional screw up, but for the most part, he's going to be nails for us. And he mm-hmm. has been anything but that. Uh, Josh James is a guy I completely forgot about until we saw that clip on yeah. Twitter uh, earlier today. So, I mean, you know, we have a lot of that, but at the same time, this is the last year of Correa. Uh, it could be the last year of Verlander and Granky. We need to do what we can to get back to the World Series this year because who knows when it's going to come back. Yeah, and another guy. Verlander. Oh, good. Speaking of Verlander, we could get him in the bullpen. Yeah, that yeah. man. That's like the the storybook right there. You know, it's like the, people talked about. It. Sorry, seven game seven of the ALCS. You know, the lights start flashing, and here comes number thirty five, Justin Verlander, jogging to the mound, and it made it kind of gives you chills to think about it. But yeah, uh, if he can get in moment. Yeah, exactly. If he can get healthy and, and, and good enough to throw a couple innings in the, in the pin in the playoffs, man, that'd be fun to watch. But like Brian mentioned, getting we've seen what Javier has already started to do in the pin and moving him into the pin and then Garcia and maybe even an Oda Rizzi when it comes to the playoffs. And the, the Astros are going to have enough pitching. It just seems like right now in the, the, the regular season, the bullpen is lacking a little bit. But Blake Taylor, you know, had a decent year last year, and he's actually been pretty solid since coming back from – I think he struggled with uh, some minor injury back earlier this year. But he's been pretty good. He's got a 1.3 ADRA since the beginning of June. And just overall, just some good performances. But we did talk about there was a couple guys that maybe if the Astros decided to go out and get a pitcher, they could. Richard Rodriguez, pitcher for the Pirates, got a 2.51 ERA. He is 31, but he's got like two or three years left to control – which we know as fans, that's that's a big thing to look for. You know, if you're going to give yeah. up prospects, it'd be nice to get a guy that you're going to be able to have on your team for two or three years. And I know, uh, Bill, you said there was a guy that you were kind of looking at, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of pitchers out there that the Astros could look to upgrade, but you bring up a good point about what are you going to do with those guys when James is healthy and Baez is healthy and maybe a Austin Pruitt or a Joe Smith. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that are working their way back right now for the Astros. Yeah, I, I like Kendall Graveman in Seattle. Like, I knew he was a top prospect back in the day when he was still a starter. But when we went and played Seattle, he was throwing 97, 98. And I'm mm-hmm. like, who is this guy? Right. And as he already he had got a sub two ERA, more strikeouts than innings pitch. I'm like, I'll take him. Yep. <laughs> 
and, and he's a he's a rental, so I don't think the prospect price would be for too sure. crazy. Yeah, and that's one thing I'm I'm you know interested to see how James Click navigates that. Me and Brian have mentioned it, but we don't really know what he's going to do at a at a normal deadline. Like we we kind of had a, a feel for what Jeff Luno was going to do just based on having him here for a while, and you could almost guess maybe the move he was going to make. You know, you, you could you could kind of pinpoint it. We have no idea what James Click's going to do. We don't know if he's going to try to unload prospects or if he's a guy that thinks, hey, we got enough pitching. And if that's what he thinks, that we do have enough pitching right now, I can understand why. We just named four or five guys who are supposed to come back, and if those guys come back and give you performances like you expect, you may not have the need to trade for another reliever. But it's going to be interesting to see how they, how they go around that. The, the rotation in the lineup is is completely fine as as is constructed. The bullpen could use some help, but we do have reinforcements coming, you know, from the minor leagues, from the the rehab rehab assignments and stuff. So I don't know how they're gonna how they're gonna negotiate that, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. Well, Ryan Presley just hit his escalator in his contract that guaranteed next season. I think it was like last week, week before last, so he'll be here next year, obviously. But then he's a free agent. Oh, that's with, good. Yeah, and with the money that um, that relievers are getting on the open mm-hmm. market right now, I'd say next year is probably gonna be Ryan Presley's last year in an Astros uniform. Mm-hmm. So having said that. Like what Bill was just talking about with Kendall Graven being in the last year of his deal. I don't really see any good or bad in anything like that because even if you get a rental, you're not giving up much in terms of prospects for it. And then you put all your eggs in this year's basket. If you go, if you give up a little bit more to get somebody that's under contract for a little bit longer, well, then you're possibly grooming your closer right. after uh, Ryan Presley leaves. So it'll be interesting to see, like you said, Jimmy, which way, um, which way James Click tends to go with that. But um, the fact that we at least have Ryan Presley for one more year is good. One one thing uh, about the whole log jam in the bullpen, too, that I just thought about is uh, when Click was in Tampa, they they wouldn't just go out and, like, buy guys with prospects, you know. Mm-hmm. He he flipped Stanek for Nick Anderson, or they did. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so maybe he could see something from somebody else, say, say somebody really likes Brooks Rayleigh, and he flips them for another guy. That's just a thought. I'm not sure. But – yeah, and well, like, so, go ahead, Brian. Sorry. Well, I was just going to kind of like change the subject a little bit because I was just on Twitter just a second ago. I got an alert, mm-hmm. and Mark Berman was interviewing Jose Urquidy just a moment ago. He said, on Yuli Gurriel being left off the All-Star team, this is uh, Jose Urquidy. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they don't take him. He's playing very good, but it doesn't matter anyway. We're going to be in the World Series, so we don't care. Nice. <laughs> well, yeah. That's a perfect That's attitude like to have. Me. That's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. And, man, I, I think the team – there's there's something about the team this year, you know that that, that I don't know that you feel good about it. The, the maybe it's maybe it's just that it, we talked a redemption tour for for I guess because of what happened last year and um, how Altuve struggled and just seeing seeing the guys like Altuve and Correa really carry the Astros. So uh, I can't wait till the playoffs get here and and we get to see that pitching in a in a five or seven game series. But yeah, I love oh, that I, I love love that attitude from or Kitty. I think they're one at all. Like I've said it like a month ago, mm-hmm. they look the part. Yep. Well, one good thing about this, I know all of us have always thought this, but when we won that World Series in 2017, there was like a weight lifted off all of our shoulders. Oh, I know yeah. we were mm-hmm. just fans, but just having that whole Houston thing and, you know, in a town where we have the Texans who continually disappoint <laughs> us no matter what they do, even back then, just having that one title as adults now, because, you know, when we were kids, the Rockets won the uh, two back-to-back yeah. titles. But nowadays, as adults, but think of it this way. All these morons out there that create their uh, Twitter handles just to clown on the Astros. How freaking nice is it going to be if we win a World Series this year to really shove it to them? Because at that point, 
you can't listen to anything that these jackasses say because no one's going to take them seriously. We just yeah. won the World Series with all these stringent rules in place right now where, you know, you got the sticky tech crap. Umpires are checking the uh, pitchers after every other inning, it seems like. So, I mean, we win a World Series this year. It's almost like it's the most legitimate World Series win ever, like of all time, even going back to the 1920s or whatever. You know, so yeah. it would almost feel just as sweet, like you said, Jimmy, for Altuve, for Correa, for those guys who – um, are, are are getting all kinds of crap right now and continue to get all for kinds sure. of crap for stuff that every other team in baseball has done. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be right. sure to follow at Apollo HOU for blogs, merch, video, podcast, and more original Houston sports content not found anywhere else. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Astros Future Podcast covering your Astros and the minor league system.